I like when we, you know there's a difference between worship and singing songs to God? Big difference. Uh, we have a resource table downstairs. You should buy everything back there, down there. It's not a joke, but if you want to laugh at me, you can. I've been laughed at before. I've been meditating on this this week. Proverbs 23. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So as you're thinking today, that's what's going to define you. Your life today and for eternity will be defined by what's on the inside of you. What you can't see defines the world that you can see. And uh, most of our issues in life have nothing to do with our problems. It's usually how we're viewing our problems. So there's a whole series on that called The Renewed Mind. The good news is, if you're thinking incorrectly, you don't have to think that way anymore. The challenge is, is uh, before we came into the kingdom of God, we're about one step short of being really stupid. And so the Lord is on this journey of deliverance. You, you don't get many amens for that, but it's true. That's why you have to be like a child when you come into the kingdom of God. Unless you embrace that childlikeness, you'll probably never learn everything you need to learn. And a lot of people want to stay ignorant their whole life, but that's okay. You'll learn when you get... I mean, some people are going to have to, like, they're really going to have to go to Bible college when they get to heaven because it's really nice. I mean, what, what are you going to... Like, this is too nice, God. No, he's really nice. Streets of gold, mansion. There's no low-income housing in heaven. It's just all really nice. And that's the life he's trying to get you to live in. So... Uh, He'll help you. He'll deliver you of bad thinking, if, if you'll let him. It's a whole series on that, and then I wrote a book about four years ago uh, called Creation Reborn. I believe it's a partial prophetic look at where God wants to take the people of God. If, if you don't know where you're going, you're probably not going to get there. If you don't know where God wants to take you in life, you're probably never going to get there. And so a key part of walking with the Lord is having vision for where he wants to take you. Now, vision may be, incre- God is incredibly practical. Like, part of your life vision might be not to yell at somebody when they cut you off in New Jersey. I mean, I'm serious. It's like, he'll help you live out. He's really, really practical. And he's going to try and teach you how to live every part of life by him. And once you start connecting with that, then you start getting like, God's really big, I'm really small, but he's got big things for me. And you get into that place of exceedingly and abundantly all that you could ask or think. I can think of a lot of things. So uh, anyway, I encourage you to check it out if you desire. Would you do me a favor? Just lift your hands. I just want to open up the word. Father, we lift our hands as a sign of surrender to you. And Lord, we ask this morning for words from heaven that shape the earth. Not just nice things to say, but words from heaven that shape the earth. Give people ears to hear. Uh, there's somebody um, here, you have, a, you have like, I saw this in worship, you have a pain in your right shoulder, and it's from an athletic injury, and the Lord is healing that pain. Somebody else, you have a, a pain in your back, and the picture I see is you can't fully bend over and the Lord is healing you right now just as you sit there because he's really good. Somebody, too, 
something wrong with one of your toes and God is healing like it's like a right toe or something. So just be healed. Father, give people ears to hear and eyes to see. Open up your word to us. Lord, let it be like those two disciples who walk with you on the road to Emmaus and that you open the word to them. So open the word to us. I need your help. Without you, I can't do anything, but with you, I can do all things. Glorify your son. Father, let let miracles follow the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I felt this morning just uh, as I was just kind of leaning into the Lord of what to share, I want to talk to you about the subject of kingdom foundations. And there's a reason I'm using that word kingdom foundations. Hopefully you'll, you'll get that here in just a minute. But let's define the word foundation. Foundation is the basis or groundwork of anything, and it's the basis on which something rests. Uh, I, I grew up not too far from here. Now, now I live where God lives in North Carolina. <laughs> You're welcome to visit heaven anytime you'd like. He does visit New Jersey, but he lives in North Carolina. But I was always very fascinated when they said um, they were building a skyscraper, a big building, and you would see normally a picture of what that building would look like, and they would say, we've started construction. And uh, all you would see is a big hole because they were building the foundation. But if that foundation was built correctly, it would be able to handle the weight of the structure. And what I also notice about foundations is that foundations usually take the longest to build, but once that foundation is built, the rest of that structure goes up real quick. And foundations are really important, and I think often in the Western church, people are more concerned with the parts of the building that you can't see, and so if you're more concerned with that, you're probably not, you probably have not built your foundation correctly. So my advice to people is always, you better get the inside right, you better get the foundation correctly, if not, the whole thing's going to be all skewed. Turn to Matthew 7, if you will. We'll use, hopefully, a bunch of scripture today. I enjoy the word. Read the word. Study the word. People died to get that Bible in your hands. Matthew chapter 7. This is Jesus speaking. And I, I, wanna, I want you to uh, really uh, look at some things that Jesus says here. Therefore, he who hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken them to a wise man who built his house on the rock, Notice, uh, he's saying the wise man built his house on the rock, and the rains ascended, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Verse 26, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine does not do them, I will liken him, he will be like a foolish man. Verse 24 and 26, you'll see something that he he only has two two categories of people, and they're all building. So keep this in mind. Every person in this room, every corporate community called the church that God is building is building a certain way. There's no demilitarized zone. And the only way that Jesus describes it, either you're building foolishly or you're building ignorantly. Jesus is a whole lot more plainer than we make him out to me. He is not a Bernie Sanders supporter drinking a latte. (laughs) I stirred up already. Anyway, I grew up around here, so I was just going to say what I... 
And the rains ascended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. So everyone is building. The question is, how is you building? How are you building today? And if you ever want to understand anything about God, you have to start in the book of Genesis. Genesis through uh, Genesis 2 Revelation, or if you're really Pentecostal, you say Revelations. Through the cross of Jesus. You'll, have, you'll always have a distorted lens of who God is unless you look at through the full counsel of God. So here's some foundations that God establishes in uh, Genesis, the first chapter. And what you'll see here, hopefully we'll look at two parallels here. I'll try and explain it as much as I can in, in, in this, this setting like this. But what you'll see is God had great intentions for humanity. Here, here's the point of God. God created a world for humanity to enjoy, to expand his kingdom, and to live forever. We know they didn't, Adam kind of made a little mistake there, kind of, sort of, shifted the earth, but part of the reason for Jesus, the part of the reason for Jesus coming was to restore everything that was lost in Genesis 1. So look at uh, Genesis 1 if you want to follow along. Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over all the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created a male and female. He created them. Just as a side note, too, I encourage you. Excuse me. When you read scripture, look at it through the lens of how God would create a society. One of the reasons you find so much attack on gender roles that God gives people is because it's the foundation of healthy society. You distort the role of men and women, mothers and fathers in society, the whole society's very distorted. And unfortunately in America, we're about to find out in the next seven to 15 years of what it looks like when you really distort the foundation of society. We've already discovered some of it with fatherlessness in America. I think it's at least 80% of people who are incarcerated didn't have a father or a mother both in their life. God knows what he's doing. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth, and then God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth. I'm preaching good now because I'm spitting on my iPad. And every tree whose fruit, whose fruit yields seed to you, to, to it shall be for food. So here's the first thing we want to establish when we look at this in the next few moments. God here never, ever, 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 keep going with that one. He never intended to establish a religion on the earth. He intended to establish a kingdom. It's really important because the world out there that hopefully you know you're supposed to connect with is not interested in religion. What humanity is after is after the kingdom of God. Where do we see that in Jesus? Jesus never preached become a Christian. 
Jesus actually, you, you never find one place in the gospel where you actually hear the phrase being used like this, preaching you must be born again. It's not found. The only time you find him preaching that or teaching that is to Nicodemus in a private meeting. Anytime you find a gospel writer recording what he preached, he preached about the kingdom of God. Matthew 4, verse 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent. What is repentance? Repentance is, see, something happened in the fall of man, and it was this, that the brilliant mind that God gave him, it became really perverted, and the earth became perverted. And because man was in charge of the earth, the earth is perverted because of perverted man. But he comes with this brilliant message. Hey, change the way you think because what was lost in the garden, I came to bring. And unless you change the way you think, there's a kingdom. Live in the south now. And they say, right now. It's right here. But if you don't change the lens by which you're thinking, the kingdom of God will be unavailable to you. Very important about Jesus, too. He is fully God, fully man, but this is the brilliance of God. The brilliance of God is because, we just read it there, because God gave man ownership of the earth, he's got to send Jesus as a man. He didn't come as God, he, comes as, he, come, he came as the Son of Man. So though he's fully God, according to Philippians 2, he chooses to live like a man on the earth. So everything you see in Jesus in the Gospels is what's available to you. That's a beautiful God. This earth, it, God didn't need the earth. Don't ever believe God needs you. He, if, if God needed you, it would mean he needed something out of himself. But he chose you to do something. So here's some things he establishes here in Genesis 1 that are foundations of the kingdom. Here's the first one. Humanity, uh, uh, let's start here. At humanity, you'll notice something that when Adam is created, Adam is made completely acceptable and loved by God by simply showing up. That's good news. The gospel's been distorted. Even in the body of Christ, people have like this weird idea that somehow God hates worldly people until they get it right with God. For God so loved the world. In Adam, he's made perfect and accepted. Imagine you were made in charge of the earth. That's what he did because he said over all the earth and over every creature, every, every creature that moves. That's what he said. I didn't make the choice. Some people get real mad about that. It's true. Not everything that's happening in the world, God has something to do with. That'll help you. You know, young kid gets hit by a drunk driver, and we make up all these weird things. An angel, you know, God needed an angel. No, God didn't need any more angels. He had a task for that boy. But because people don't obey God, he got hit. Don't ascribe every evil thing that happens in the earth to God. That is misrepresenting God. That's a different sermon, but I felt good saying that. He's made completely acceptable to God. He is made a steward of the earth. That's on day six. Genesis 1.31 says the very next day, 
God takes, uh, he tells them, this is the day you're going to rest, day seven. God rested on the seventh day. I don't fully get all that. Here's what I do know. I believe he was given such a brilliant task on the earth. One of the number one things that God wanted to get him on his off day was this. Take the day off and realize that everything I've given you does not reside within yourself, but resides in me. So a key part of being in the kingdom of God is learning to receive the kindness and the goodness of God. That's hard for some people because you've been rejected at every place in your life. That's the good news of the kingdom. You've been rejected by your family, by, by a school, by this, by a certain group. You're welcome to the kingdom of God. You're like, I'm really messed up. I've had six marriages. I know he welcomes you into the kingdom of God. You know, I've been addicted for seven. Welcome to the kingdom of God. You know, I have a gambling problem. Welcome to the kingdom of God. All are welcome to the kingdom of God. I know that disrupts some people. It's like, ah, you got to be right. I know. We act right when we know we're right. A lot of Christianity is not a self-help thing. He says, I'll get you right so you can act right. So foundation of the kingdom, number one, is that we are accepted at the moment we come in to the kingdom of God. Accepted and loved. Here's what what, uh, the father said over the son before Jesus even begins his public ministry. Again, every time you see the father interacting with the son in the New Testament, you can put yourself in it because there's a phrase in the New Testament that the apostle Paul uses, and it's this, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. God doesn't understand most of the terms we use in this world, Catholic, Assembly of God, non-denominational. He doesn't understand that. All he knows is, are you in Christ? And here's what he says, and suddenly a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Notice the declaration comes and is, originates from God. The love of God can't be earned, can't be worked for, none of that stuff. It's a, it is a, is a declaration from the very character of God. You are accepted no matter what. Here's a second thing you pick up, second kingdom foundation. By the way, there's a lot more, but uh, I only have three hours this morning, so that's not a joke, but I'll, I'll, I'll let you laugh. Second thing, foundation of your life, really, really important that should form a core value, is this. Humanity was not created to take care of itself. Nowhere in that scripture, nowhere in that foundation do you ever find Adam going, hey, God, how am I going to pay the light bill down here? Where am I going to live? How am I going to pay the kids' colleges this year? I don't know what I'm going to do. I just got laid off at the plant. Nowhere in there do you find Adam trying to meet his needs. As soon as Adam fell, Adam and Eve fell, They turn, what do they try and do? They try and meet their needs. They put, this is what sin does. The reason God hates sin is because it rips people from the dignity he wants to give them. 
let me get, give you get some insight. Holiness is a beautiful thing. God is holy. That means he is, okay, he, he is free within himself. He's got no issues. He's got no worries. He's got no fears. He's got, he, like, he, he, even with chaos in the world, he's not up in heaven going, man, what are we going to do with Israel thing? Not concerned with it. And he wants you as free as him. This is a really big deal for me to learn and for Americans to learn because often we think we can take care of ourselves. Genesis 1. When time began, God. Everything starts with God. I have very good news for you. Anything that you have ever needed before you came to earth, God has already taken care of for you. Every college loan, every mortgage payment, every advancement in your career, he's already got it secure. Just let that settle in. It'll free you from a lot of worry and fear. Adam was not created to take care of himself, and neither were you. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son of Man can do nothing of himself. What's a good way to begin thinking that God is your source? You can begin to think with this mindset when you recognize that you need God for everything that you do. Some people throw in God when they got the really big stuff. That's when they go to prayer. And I realized I need God to put my shoes on in the morning, to put my shirt on, to drive here this morning, to get on a plane tomorrow morning. I need God for everything. And because he's proven faithful with the little things, he'll help me with the big things. Kingdom foundation number three. You find that Adam has no issues until he listens to the wrong voice. So submission to God's purpose is where humanity finds its greatest pleasure. That's the big one right there. There's a joy in saying yes to God. I, I, I work with a lot of leaders, and you hear a lot of problems sometimes. And every time I'm in a meeting, hearing problems, challenges, I'm always trying to listen to the Lord. And one of the things I always hear from the Lord when I'm listening to an issue is this. The problem here is not the problem. The problem is that Matthew 6.33 is not a settled issue in their life. Foundations. When you're trying to meet your own needs, you'll run around trying to do everything you can do, and hard work is good. Please work. We need people working in America. It's good. Bible teaches if man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. I'm not talking about not working. But often, we begin to engage 
and this is not even just work, but religious activity that God never called us to that overwhelm us because we haven't really brought it to the Lord and we're trying to get our own needs met. You got to settle this thing of submission. Who is Lord of your life? Here's how Jesus put it. John 4. Again, we're looking at Jesus. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. Now, I like this because he likens doing the will of God to eating. His thought is this. He's like, I've come here to earth. I have a purpose, which we'll talk about here in a minute. And I can't, I, I, even though he's got a free choice, everyone here's got a free choice. By the way, that's a big part of this. Got to recognize Jesus had a free choice. That's when you see the brilliance of Jesus. Like at any, like if there was anyone who could have ever had like a victim syndrome, and I know that's really big in America, you know, it's like, you know, people trying to make money out of being victims. Like you're a victim, you're not responsible. Like, no, no, you are responsible. At any point in this whole thing, while he's at earth, but I was going to say, if there's anyone who could have like, I'm out of here. God, I'm leaving this church. Like, he was perfect, and he still had people talking about him. His own family didn't understand him. If there's anyone who could be like, I'm out of here. I'm going back to heaven. I don't need these people. I don't need this church. Could have been Jesus. But he says, the, my food, I don't know how long you can go, but you can't go real long without eating food until you die. So he says, doing the will of God is so important to me that I look at it like eating food. I don't want to touch anything. I don't want to go anywhere unless I know God is sending me. That's a beautiful thing. I used to think when I was a kid, if I really submitted to God... I didn't want to do that because then he'd send me to Africa and I liked running water. I'm being very honest. I'm an honest guy. And then I realized in the kingdom, there's no other way. I think I've been to Africa like six times and I've enjoyed it every single time. Enjoy it more every time I go. Your greatest life is in submission to God. Here's another part of that foundation there that's also really important is that foundation between God and Adam, between God and Jesus, was called the simple thing called faith and trust. But here's even better news. You know, in uh, Hebrews 11, he tells us, without faith, it's impossible to please me. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you faith to even say yes to me. Good kingdom. There's not anything you do that resides within you. Everything you ever do for God, he's already given you the power to do. But you got to say yes. He wanted you to come this morning. He did. But he didn't hit you over the head with a frying pan and say, get out of bed and come to church this morning. But he gave you the power to come. That's a good God. He respects the choices of people. Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, 
And all these things will be added unto you. Here's the other part about this kingdom. You'll never understand the kingdom without seeking it first. If you're trying to add the kingdom to your life dream, you're going to live very frustrated. And you're going you're gonna to say things like, it's not working for me. God's not showing up. No, 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 no. The problem is the foundation. Number, I don't know what number we're on. But here's another foundation. Humanity was empowered by the knowledge of God released through his voice. Back to Genesis uh, 1. God blessed them and said to them, first voice Humanity hears is the voice of God. How do they know what to do? How are they qualified to know what to do? The voice of God. Very, very important. Everything God tells you, he gives you the power to do. Also, how are they educated? According to that voice. Knowing the voice of God is really, 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 really important. And it's not that hard. If you have a sincere heart, God will speak to you. Remember years ago when I began this journey of learning the voice of God. It's the positioning of your heart that will determine how he teaches you to hear his voice. So you got to start here. God now, this will get scary for some of you because you're American. God, I will do whatever you ask me to do, and your word is first place in my life. My son, attend to my words. Not attend to your career. Not attend to how they told you how to do it in MBA class. Not attend to how you think the best way should do it. My son, attend to my words. So when your heart is positioned correctly, this is what he'll do. He'll help you. By the way, he also said, my sheep hear my voice. So he says you can hear his voice. So please, if you're in Christ, never ever say again, I can't hear his voice. Either God is lying or you're lying. Now, I like you, but I pick you. And then he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds of the mouth of God. So he's not asking you to follow him and not know his voice. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. I'll say whatever you want me to say. And I will listen to your voice. So you start like that, get ready, because you're about to hear him. This is how it started for me. Remember sitting in the, uh, remember when it was so clear one time, sitting in the back, my friend was doing like some church anniversary I'm in the back, minding my own business, how it is. And he goes, Abner! Abner! That clear. Not an audible voice, but pretty much that loud right in here. Right in here. Your heart. The inner man of the heart. Abner! I'm serious, it was that loud. I need you to do this for me. And my first thought was, is that God? I'm serious. When you're first starting out, don't be, like, listen, you ever see it? I was in uh, Switzerland teaching at a school, and there's a couple taking the class, and they had a little boy named Jason. I kept calling him Michael. They didn't like that. (laughs) I got it right the second day, because I saw that look from the parent. That little boy was learning how to walk. 
and he was taking a few steps with their help. They go. <laughs> they didn't slap that kid over the head because he wasn't walking on his own yet. He's learning how to walk. If you want to learn how to walk with God, he'll help you. He's not going to hit you over the head. So I did what you do, you know, when you're learning his voice. God, I need some confirmation. <laughs> and I don't know how many five or six different ways by Tuesday I knew. But here's the thing. Once you know, you better take that step forward. Because that's where it starts getting fun. That's, right. that's where it starts getting fun for you. So if you can know the voice of God for yourself, you can know the voice of God for other people. Because the world is in need of people who know the voice of God, right. not a bunch of evangelical language. So I've got to tell you a story. It has to do with him. 2005, <laughs> that was a good story. Let me tell you how important it is to know the voice of God. Because you, if you're in Christ, you're on assignment in the earth. And somebody's breakthrough and blessing is connected in you knowing the voice of God. I don't want God to ask somebody else when he had me first to do something. I was living in Georgia at the time. It was a brief time in Georgia. I called my vacation in Georgia. And it was like, I think like, 10 days left in the month, and I looked at the bank account. This is 2005. What year am I in now? 2000. You know, I'm, aging, I'm getting older, but I'm not aging. <laughs> I'm going for 120. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. I'm not going to heaven before he brings me. You know, you look at the account. You look at you. You kind of know what's coming in. You go, ooh. The rent is coming. It's going to be a little hard. Actually, unless God comes in, I'm not paying the rent. And I told God, I said, I'm not going into the things of the Lord. I've been in, I think ministry is 17 years or something like that. I'm not going to do this and you not show up. I don't do that faith check stuff, you know. Either it's God or not. So that was like a Wednesday. So I said, Lord, I just trust you. That's what you do. It's fun. It is. I think I went to church and somebody, I don't remember how much they gave me, they gave me, ah, the Lord just put this on my heart. Now, don't do this religious stuff. Lord, if you don't show up for me, I ain't going to pay the rent. Don't do that. That's weird. That's manipulative. <laughs> that's not trusting God. That's trusting the person next to you. The Lord just put this on my heart. Oh, thank you. And then I think I went, I was on Sabbath church, went to church Sunday, don't tell anyone. I said, Lord, I'm trusting you. A little more comes in. So, well, that, that's good. I always believe God for more than enough. You need to. Unless you got more than enough, you can't be a blessing to other people. You're selfish if you just want just enough for yourself. God's not selfish and God's not cheap. So, now it's like a Monday or Tuesday. I get this card from this guy. He's in college at the time. I think he sent me four or five hundred dollars in the mail. He said, the Lord put this on my heart. I remember, though, when I got that money, see, a lot of times 
the provision of God is not about the miracle. It is. Yeah, okay, great. My rent's paid. But I remember I grabbed that card and I said, I can never doubt your faithfulness from this day forward. So your ability to discern the voice of the Lord is connected to being a help and a sign of the kingdom to other people. You know, now when he speaks to me, he spoke to me about the same thing in January, something similar to what I just told you about. Now it's like this. I remember I was driving somewhere in January to preach. It was Saturday morning. He said, can you please do this for me? I need you to do this for me. It's not as loud anymore because he's made me responsible for knowing when he speaks. Can you please do this for me? What are some things that you were supposed to do to other peop- for other people? No shame, no blame. God doesn't do that stuff. But it's just, you have to live with a sense of divine responsibility. I mean, you're, here's the last one. Humanity was created for the purpose of being God's ambassador. See, it's a great exchange. The exchange is this. God doesn't negotiate with you. What do I mean by that? I have a friend, um, really smart guy. Like, probably, I know a lot of smart people. He's probably one of the smarter ones. When he talks after, um, after like the first three minutes, I don't understand anything. <laughs> He's like, do you understand what I said? I said, I understood the first two minutes. But he uh, grew up in California, and um, he grew up in a, a Catholic household, and um, he never was born again, but he got to college, and he's at, at, at Berkeley, and these guys explained to him the gospel one day. See, you just got to throw that seed out there, because it'll start working. And he thought... Anyone who believes this God stuff, they got to be really stupid because he's a brilliant guy. So he's sitting on his bed in his dorm room. I think he's a freshman. And he says, God, I'll give my life to you because I believe this is true. But I don't want to be stupid. And the Lord responded to him. He said, no deal. He doesn't negotiate with you. Next night, sitting on his bed, he goes, I'll give you my whole life. I don't care what it looks like. Deal. Now, the deal is, he's gotten everything taken care of for you once you come into the kingdom, but he won't negotiate with you. Coming to the kingdom, he makes you a representative of him. What's an ambassador? Ambassador, I, I, uh, I live outside of Fayetteville, Fort Bragg, home church. A lot of these guys are brilliant too. And they, they go overseas, obviously, quite a bit for assignments. Sometimes I'll say, hey, where are you going? Oh, I'm going to Korea. I've never, they've never once told me, any of these guys who are on assignment, 
They've never once told me, hey, can you pray for me? I don't know if I'm going to have uh, I don't know if I'm going to have enough equipment, money for the equipment that I need when I get over there. Or they're moving my family to Japan. Can you pray with me that we'll find a place to live? Who takes care of it? The sending government. Do you know what part of sending government you are? You're part of the sending government of heaven. Yeah, you can clap if you want. It's okay. I'm gonna, it's still good anyway if you don't clap. <laughs> Genesis 2. If you read there, I encourage you to read it. There's gold in the garden. There's gold in that river. Where else is there gold? In heaven. He puts part of heaven on earth to tell us what Adam and your and I job is. Spread heaven on earth. And you're my ambassador. When you saw Adam, you were supposed to see what God looked like. What did Jesus tell Philip? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So you're an ambassador. An ambassador has assignment, and it is called to delegate from a different land in a foreign land. And everything it has need of is taken care of. They usually have a car, a house. I was in London, in the middle of London last year, and I see the Canadian embassy. You walk through those doors, all the laws of Canada apply to that place. Even though it's in the middle of the UK, all the laws of Canada apply. Where you walk, all the laws of heaven should apply. But now here's here's something, though, that's important for an ambassador to understand. An ambassador, if he's operating correctly, never, ever gives their opinion of what they think about a matter. What is is the position of your country on what's happening in the Middle East? Or what's your your position? The the position of my nation is this. What uh, what do you think about same-sex marriage? The position of my nation is this. They are not supposed to give any opinion of their own because they represent the interest of a foreign government. And everyone in here is called to be an ambassador, and everyone in here has a purpose. But if you don't build on the right foundation, you'll seek purpose before you seek the king. Really important. The million dollar, often the question, especially in the Western world, because we're task-oriented. I am too. I'm getting delivered of that. What has God called me to do? I mean, I'm going to land the plane right here. The will of God is not that hard. It's really not. And here's the brilliant thing. When you discover your purpose, no one can ever unemploy you. Because right. right. I'm, I'm a sign. And money will always follow your assignment. Here's some principles. Biblical principles. Purpose. I've never met anyone who implements these things. Who, uh, who's, you don't have, it doesn't mean you have it all figured out. But you're like, I don't know what the Lord's called me to do. Number one, love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Number two, seek to have godly character 
and take care of, co- of, of character defaults in light of the kingdom of God. You're proactive in those things. The person next to you, they just look perfect. Everyone in here is still a work in progress. The question is, what are you doing to lean into God to deliver you of those issues? I'm kind of getting, I, you know, I'm kind of getting a, a little impatient with some believers. Like, I'm good. No, you're not. No, you're not. I'm not saying you got to drudge up things, but ask your husband. He'll tell you what's wrong with you. <laughs> or your wife. Like, like, everybody else knows it except you. That's one of the most common deceptions. And probably if you speak the language of a victim, you'll, you're blaming other people for your own choices. Oh, I can't do this, you know, because you know, like, you know, I had this husband who left me seven years ago. Or I can't do this, you know, they did me wrong at the plant eight years ago. And I've talked to people 50 years old talking about what some, their high school coach did to them. You laugh, but it happens. So proactively deal with the issues. You're a work in progress. Be open to letting people speak into your life. Have godly friends. If you don't got godly friends, it might be your fault. Just keeping it plain. Third, seek to live out the authority that God has given you. Everyone in here is supposed to live a powerful lifestyle. Use all the tools in your chest. Be filled with the Spirit. Speak in other tongues. Don't be afraid. It's weird not to speak in tongues. You don't have to speak in tongues to go to heaven. No problem. You might, you're just going to have a lot more trouble here on earth without that. It's a gift. Pray for the sick. Prophesy. Give the word of the Lord. Another principle. Be a part of a group of people. The disciples were discipled within the context of a community. Religious, religious zealot. Uh, fishermen. People from all different persuasions all came together. What am I trying to tell you? It doesn't mean they agreed with each other. The Trump supporter and the Bernie supporter in one room learning about the kingdom of God. Last one. Oh, oh, by the way, being part of a community, I'm just going to say it because it's probably true according to the data, is not coming once a month. The gather community is really important stuff. I'm not saying if you miss, you know, one Sunday or whatever, it sticks but it's a fruit if you're seeking God first. Your attendance here. It's a fruit. I can tell what somebody really treasures by where they spend their time and where they spend their money. That really tells me what they believe. You can do a hallelujah, praise God, brother, all that stuff. What are, you, what are you doing with your life? Second thing is find a place you can serve. Do something. People who've done those things, they're biblical things. I've never found them. I'm just not sure what the Lord has for them. They might not have it all figured out, but they know, hey, I feel like maybe I'm going to start a business one day and I'm moving in that direction. I feel like I, I feel maybe one day I'll be a pastor and plant a church. And what are you doing? You're moving in the direction to live out your purpose to be an ambassador. I'm landing the plane now. You've been very attentive. Thank you. Here's the points. I'll review them. God never intended to establish a religion but a kingdom. 
at creation, humanity is loved and accepted and blessed by God. Humanity was not created to take care of itself. Submission to God's purpose is, is, is where humanity finds its greatest pleasure. Humanity was empowered by the knowledge of God released through his voice. Here's the last one. We were created to be God's ambassadors with a purpose. Jesus said to him, how long have I been with you so long, yet you, yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. I pray that every day. God, when people see me, let them see the Father. What did it say about Jesus? He is the image of the invisible God. You're supposed to be the image of the invisible God. This is where I'll really land the plane. I just felt this. Listen, God does not want you to live frustrated. God does not want you to live concerned, worried, overwhelmed, all these things. But he gives us the key in here. Luke's, uh, Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. He will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, basically money or the world system. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, of what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you will put on it. Is life not more than food and body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap, yet gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Cast. Well, here's the first part of it. Humble yourself in the sight of God and cast all your burden on him. Why? Because he wants to care for you. Take my yoke. I'll finish it off here. 31. Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we do with the giants this year? For all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows what you need, all these things. But seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He's not, saying, he's not saying it's wrong to be concerned, or he knows you got need of it. He goes, get this thing first, and I got a way of getting you everything you need. So I just want to offer you this invitation. Just bow your heads for just a moment. I feel like there's this invitation this morning, this afternoon to make a conscious choice no matter where you're at in your journey with the Lord that you're going to make this choice to seek first the kingdom of God once again this fresh commitment to make sure that foundation is correct This fresh commitment to seek to know the voice of God. This fresh commitment to put the word of God, scripture, above everything else. To live your life on that foundation. If we don't get that part right, everything else is going to be distorted. 
So there's a grace in this room to walk that out. And I'm just going to count to three. If you want to say, I want to make a fresh commitment today to seek first the kingdom of God. I'm just going to count to three, and I just want you to stand right where you are. One, two, three, just stand. just lift your hands to heaven actually just across the room just lift your hands I just want to repeat I just want you to repeat this 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 uh, this prayer with me say father God thank you for your goodness with your help and your strength I choose to seek you first I want to put your word first I want to put your voice first Teach me your voice. I want to know your voice. In Jesus' name. I just wait on the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Someone in this room, you have uh, headaches. The Lord is healing you of headaches. It's particularly, uh, I think, pretty bad in the afternoon, evening times. It's not every day, but the Lord is delivering you of headaches. Be healed in Jesus' name. Somebody, uh, you have something wrong with your right eye. I command healing in your eye in Jesus' name. Healing in your eye in Jesus' name. Someone in here, you came in this morning with like a cold type symptoms. The Lord delivers you right now. Be healed. Jesus' name. Just wait for a few more moments. God will speak to you just right where you are.